This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the show. Hey, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception of the Show. Matt, how are you doing today on this beautiful Monday afternoon? Doing great, man. Uh, you know, it's fully into the fall now at this point. Uh, feels good. You know, not that weather ever really changes uh, where we are, but <laughs> no, still, nevertheless, you know, you, you can put a hoodie on and feel like a little bit better about yourself. Uh, so that's great. But yeah, man, things are good. Um, you know, we got a lot of news to cover through today. Um, you know, I have no neighborhood complaints to to address on this podcast after um, I saw way too many responses of uh, the guy, you know, the you're turning into your parents, progressive commercial guy, uh, you know, shout out to shout out to that uh, commercial, which is one of the best, but didn't appreciate being on the other end of it, um, which is understandable because, you know, if you listen to the last podcast, we talked about the uh, Oh the, the, the trailer situation in my neighborhood, which, by the way, the trailer uh-huh. is back. The trailer back. is back. It's but it's, back? In so- it's in somebody's driveway now, like a couple streets down. It's in the person's driveway, oh. which is where it belonged the whole time. Thank you very oh. much. The mystery good has guys been solved. The good guys win again, and the good guys are me. So, um, But that's I have not- no other neighbor. Well, I don't understand. I have I'm no not other... sure that's you. I'm not sure that's you. You you I basically am the good guy got your, your your neighbor's trailer that was not bothering you. You got that one towed and he had to go pay money to get it out of the yard. That's I'm not how how does that make you the good guy? I'm not I'm not following. Well, when you have, you have to bail a criminal out of jail. I mean, <laughs> <A> so criminal. <laughs> All right. All right, enough, enough. I can't do this again. <laughs> a criminal. Yes. Okay. Uh, got a big show in front of us here today. Definitely going to be breaking down what's going on out there with Arizona, but a couple other teams too that uh, interesting situations happening here. Of course, with Washington. How about the LA Rams? I know they're on a bye this week, but uh, what does it look like for this team coming out of their bye? We're going to break that down, and then and then I want to talk about Tyreek Hill too, and we will certainly get to that as well. But let's start in Arizona. Let's start in the desert there, Matt. Okay, Hollywood Brown is now out at least six weeks, maybe longer, broke his foot. Uh, They're saying it's a non-surgical break, a a non-surgical fracture. He re-injured the same foot that he had surgery on back in 2019, a Liz Frank surgery back in 2019. Again, on that exact same foot. Does not sound great, but uh, initial reports, at least optimistic reports, have him out at least six weeks, would put him out 
um, until week 14 because the six weeks out will put him on the bye week, right? So it would be seven yeah. weeks out. Week 14 now is when he is projected to come back at the earliest. Uh, what do you think? How does this impact the Arizona uh, passing attack? Yeah, I think this is a huge loss. I think Hollywood Brown was playing really well. You know, we just talked about him on the Dynasty episode with, uh, with Zach Miller, right? Uh, which was mm-hmm. great because it was a good time to spotlight the fact that, you know, Hollywood Brown has been playing extremely well for the Arizona Cardinals. And really, you know, to a lot of Zach's points, I think that Marquise Brown's has been an underrated player. Um, I talked about my theory on it is because, you know, Lamar Jackson is like a, a pet player for a lot of folks like Twitter favorite, you know, stuff like that. So Marquise Brown got bagged on a lot as a first round pick for the Baltimore Ravens, but was really having a big, big year for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, and huge. This is what happens too with bad teams. It's like, when one good thing happens, another bad thing has to happen. Like they're just getting DeAndre Hopkins back, then they right. lose Marquise Brown, right? For the for the long term. It really sucks. Uh, because I think that Brown had brought them a dimension to this offense that hadn't really exist, which was something of like a compromise. You know, they had they had never really had like another perimeter receiver that was gonna threaten teams in the way that Brown was during the the couple years they've had DeAndre Hopkins there, right? Like they have right. AJ Green there last year, but then their two other guys were a pure slot receiver in Christian Kirk and a fake receiver in Rondell Moore. So, um, <laughs> you know, Marquise Brown was kind of right. could give them. I think Brown could have actually given them some good inside outside versatility with Hopkins back in the fold. Like yeah. I think he could have taken some of those Christian Kirk vertical slot plays and and those routes. But you know, we we won't know now. Uh, obviously, they make the corresponding move to. <clears throat> trade for to, to to trade for Robbie Anderson and I mean James it's just insane the resources that this team has spent on wide receivers since hiring uh just pass catchers in general since right. hiring Cliff Kingsbury you know they have they spent a seventh round pick in 2019 on Caleb Wilson a tight end they spent a sixth round pick that year on Keyshawn Johnson wide receiver fourth round pick on Hakeem Butler that year second round pick on Andy Isabella that year um, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. They traded for Marquise Brown. They traded for Zach Ertz. They spent a second round pick on Rondale Moore. And then this past year, they spent a second round pick on on Trey McBride, a pass catching tight end after re-signing oh, Zach Ertz to a huge deal. And now they've traded for Robbie Anderson. I get that like this offense is built on spreading the field with multiple wide receivers, but good Lord, man. I mean, just just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks in terms of wide receivers. And, you know, they've, like I said, they've gotten some good players along the way there. Ironically, I think their, their best homegrown wide receiver was Christian Kirk, which, and he was drafted in 2018, you know, prior to the cliff Kingsbury experience the year they drafted Josh Rosen. Um, And I think like cliff Kingsbury misused Christian Kirk as a, as a perimeter receiver in like 2018 or 2019 and 2020 until finally getting him in the right role in 2021. And he leaves the team. So right. This is, and he's gone and he's gone. <laughs> right. This is, this has been such a straight and like Andy Isabella never gave him anything. Hakeem Butler never Nothing. gave him anything. You know, right. it's just been a really bizarre run at the wide receiver position for the Arizona Cardinals. And now they trade, you know, I mean, they, they basically gave up like, a, a razor and some shaving cream for freaking Robbie yeah. Anderson. They they gave up a a twenty twenty four sec six round pick Sixth, and then a yeah and then a, a twenty twenty five seven. Oh, I mean a twenty twenty five James. That's so, how long ago? <laughs> how long is that in the future? So, um, it, it's not a major trade, but no. I don't know what's you what's your thought on Robbie Anderson and how he fits here because I was I was definitely saying, you know, as Robbie Anderson is like 
getting in fights with his coaches on the sideline Jeez. yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, Te- I'm sure teams are just lining up, lining up to take old Robbie Anderson, who's maybe had like one and a half good seasons in his career, and it, and it, and it, it definitely wasn't last year. It definitely hasn't been this year. And, you know, he's got a big contract. I know the Panthers are going to eat a lot of that contract. And right. he's got, I mean, this is like not maybe his 10th, 12th personality related flare up so far, uh, what we saw yesterday. But of course, one team was there and it was the damn Arizona Cardinals who have spent just an <laughs> absurd amount of resources at this position. I really thought the Rams were going to try to go in there and uh, and try to get it because, uh, you know, I tell you, they need a little bit of team speed. We talked about this before. Uh, on multiple occasions, actually, on this podcast. But, you know, Robbie Anderson, to me, right, like he's 29 years old um, and he's flashed, right? Like he's had a couple of uh, a flash moments. Uh, he, he had a pretty good 2020 uh, where he almost had uh, 1,100 yards there. Um, but he's been an inconsistent wide receiver, right? And I don't necessarily know if at 29 years of age, this is the guy that is going to help unlock this uh, Arizona offense. You mentioned a lot of these guys that Arizona picked up too, Matt. And it's like, uh, like the Andy Isabella one really sticks out, right? Because again, yeah. a, another player they drafted early. He's not even on the squad anymore. That pick right there just absolutely blew me away. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a smaller wide receiver from a small school, unproven product entirely. And it's like, if you're going unproven, why, why would you not get just the Greek God in DK Metcalf and say, all right, well, both these guys are unproven. Let's just see who, who comes out. I'm going to go ahead and put all my chips on the dude who looks like he's chiseled out of stone, man. You know what I'm saying? It just, it didn't make any sense. It was an obviously a great move home run move to go get Deandre Hopkins traded away, David Johnson. And again, and if it wasn't for Bill O'Brien just being an absolute dunce in the front <laughs> offense, that yeah. trade would have never happened either. You know what I mean? So just some numbers here on, on Robbie Anderson. The last time you tracked him here, this was what? Um, in 2020. 2020, yep. Uh, 65.8% success rate versus man. That's around the 35th percentile. So not very good. 77.7% success rate versus zone. That's in the 40th percentile. Again, not very good. Um, how does he fit into this Arizona offense? Now, is it a situation where he can walk into that Hollywood role and, and maybe do some things? Or or is this just not a great fit? Look, it's, it's bizarre because they've always kind of wanted some team speed. The, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, Andy Isabella, team speed guy, Marquise Brown, speed right. guy. But at the same time, dude, like they've never ever put together a vertical offense. Uh, like Rich Rebar calls them, calls them the horizontal raid, you know, making the, the air raid pun there. And like, that's what they've been right. I mean, even yeah. uh, Marquise Brown's sitting at about a 10 air yards per target number on the year. And that's actually climbed right. up in recent weeks. You know, they've actually got him a lot of layup looks. We know Rondell Moore is never used down the field at all. Like, I mean, nope. <laughs> Rondell Moore, my God, uh, Rondell Moore's at five points. 5.2 air yards per target, which is like a huge upgrade from what he was last year. So um, that guy, Greg Dorch, when they had him going in there too, you know, he's at yep. 5.4 um, air, 5.3 air yards per target. So they're, they're a very short, uh, you know, kind of passing game. And uh, I do think in 2020, which is probably Robbie Anderson's best career year. So of course the Panthers then go and give him a ton of money following out, right. following that season. And, you know, looks like a terrible contract. 
it, they actually used him more to the line of scrimmage. Like they were really trying to hit big plays on Robbie Anderson on drag routes, slant routes, and crossing routes over and over and over again. Right. So I think that makes sense when you look at Robbie Anderson's 2020 uh, reception perception profile. Probably his best routes were like the slant, the flat, and the go. Um, so I think that. Again, that makes sense from a stylistic perspective. They're going to try to hit occasional big plays, but mostly it'll be quick hitting routes, trying to get guys in space against zone coverage and, and get some run after catch opportunities. That has pretty much been the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Um, I, I think he's just a, it's a huge, huge downgrade from Marquise Brown to Robbie Anderson. Um, like, I think that there are going to be people that look at it and like, oh, speed guy for speed guy, no big difference. Right. I think Marquise Brown is just such a better football player, such a more instinctual football player than Robbie Anderson is. I think Anderson is a maybe decent wide receiver three, maybe, um, you know, and he's on the, he's on the latter part of his career and he's a speed based player. Yes. So yeah, he's a role player. It's fine. They didn't give up much to get him. I think he'll, I, I I'm going to kind of go back and forth and I'm interested in what you think, who, who's better, from a fantasy angle for this team rest of season, like Rondale Moore or Robbie Anderson, I, I, I kind of go back and forth and I could hear both sides of it. It becomes at least clear. Um, you had mentioned, okay, maybe Hollywood would have kind of stuck into that speed slot role. And, and I, and I, when you brought that up, I never thought about that, but I think that does make a, did make a lot of sense and it still does. But I think with the acquisition now of Robbie Anderson, right? Like we know he's going to play outside. He, he's not yeah. going to play in the slot at all. So he's going to be the other outside wide receiver opposite of new Hopkins, Right. So now we know Rondale Moore for sure is going to line up in the slot. And we know for sure Zach Ertz is going to be out there playing, you know, tight end slash, you know, a, a fourth slot receiver. Mm-hmm, um, pretty much. So for me, it's just like when you kind of take a look at at what's going on there uh, with the pass catching group, um, I would almost think uh, because everything is around the line of scrimmage right now that Rondell Moore probably does a little bit better than than Robbie Anderson, uh, just because I I think again and again, there's going to be ramp up time too, right? Like he's got to get to know this offense. They, They need to build a little chemistry between Robbie and the quarterback as well. So I would probably say rest of the season, Rondell Moore, I think in my mind, at least pretty easily, I think. Um, gets a lot more volume and in the end just outproduces Robbie Anderson. By the way, who even knows where Robbie Anderson's head is at? You know what I mean? I know, yeah. Like mentally, where is this guy? Like, we don't know. Is he is he ready to to, you know, again, just kind of suit it up and, and play football? It just I don't know, man. There's something obviously going on with him. Um, you know, getting in the face of his wide receivers coach like that, getting kicked off the team essentially, uh, getting shipped out to the desert. There's stuff going on. So yeah, I they would have one hundred percent cut him had had Arizona not given them a bag of footballs for this guy. That he would have won. He was definitely like right. all the we I uh, called people snake oil salesmen and hucksters for trying to pitch like hope that DJ Moore is going to get traded. Like, but Robbie Anderson, yeah, oh for sure was not going to be. On, I don't think even before um, Sunday's blow up, I think he was he was not going to be on this team. I tell you what, if it doesn't go well, don't be surprised if Arizona cuts him too. You know what yeah. I mean? Let's talk about Washington because Carson Wentz, he's he's hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Um, Taylor Heineke now assumes the role there uh, at the quarterback position for Washington, at least we think. At least we think. Uh, what does this mean for Terry McLaurin, John Dotson, and uh, Curtis 50 Cent Samuel? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it could be a good thing. Carson Wentz so far this year. You know, Wentz, I think, has gotten too much heat at certain times. 
Um, but at the end of the day, he's still 29th in EPA per drop back, dude. Like, you know, he has not been. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's not. Oh. A lot of that is turnovers. A lot of that is like he winces so hard and so in, in some moments. Um, but, you know, especially if like you, you know, you can't grip the football right and stuff like that. It, you know, th- right. That's not good. Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, there's there's some reporters immediately said like, oh, this you know it opens up the offense, you know, which is not great when like oh the the former backup xfl quarterback taylor heineke opens up your playbook more than the guy that you handpicked in carson wentz i don't even know if that's true but you probably yeah i don't know if that's i don't think that's true come on that's but you might have you imagine that somebody said it to him you know somebody inside the building might have said it which is again a little questionable but right um you know Heineke at least has they've won with him before. I understand why they're going to go to him first and not like rookie Sam Howell. I mean, there's a lot of people like why don't they just play Sam Howell? It's like you saw Ron Rivera after that Chicago game get pissed off in press conference. <laughs> He's not ready to like throw in the towel on the season. So right. um, I do Hold think on. that Heineke too. Yeah, you know, he's a. He's like a backup level quarterback at best, but they've won games with him. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing too, last year, it was like Terry McLaurin and the preseason boys for yeah. a lot of the season. But, you know, McLaurin, Samuel's been really good and integrate, obviously outside of his his couple rough plays on TNF, but he's been good for them this season. Jahan Dotson's been good when he's played. Like Heineke will certainly have more of an arsenal to work with. And I think one thing too is definitely good for Terry McLaurin. Like they were overusing him as a vertical receiver okay. with, with Wentz this year. You know, his his air yards per target is way up from what it was last year. Um, I, I can filibuster and look it up here, but you know, last year with uh, we, one thing we know about ODU's finest Taylor Heineke James is that he is not a vertical passer. So far this no. year, thirteen point three air yards per target for Terry McLaurin with Carson Wentz, and that's actually kind of going down the last couple of weeks. Earlier in the season, it was it was even higher than that. Hmm. And then okay. last year for 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 Terry McLaurin, air yards per target, you know, right right around like thirteen. Yeah. So I think they're going to start to get him more. We saw it too against the Bears, just an, an ugly game. They started to get more like routine looks for uh, Terry McLaurin, more shorter intermediate routes. Like those are the routes that, that Taylor Heineke is going to throw because he cannot push the ball downfield. No, zero percent. The problem with Taylor Heineke too, man, he throws a lot of those murder balls, dude. You're like, come on, man. Yeah, he really does. Don't what did I say about McLaurin last guy. year? He was he was number five in contest or number five in success rate versus man coverage, but second in percent of, of contested targets because yeah. Heineke would throw him into contested situations. Golly. There's gonna be a lot of that. This is not by the way, this is the sort of um the bargaining with yourself you have to do with these wide receivers when it's like, oh well, Wentz was good for this reason, but you know, Heineke can be good for this reason. Like it, nothing but not everybody's Stefan Diggs. That was one thing watching the games yesterday. I'm just like, mm-hmm. wow. I think I tweeted about it too. Like, there are multiverses out there where Stefan Diggs never gets traded to the Bills and Josh yeah, Allen and yeah, Stefan yeah. Diggs never find each other. Right. And thank God we live in this one, right? Because <laughs> we got these guys together and they're getting better and better and better and better with time. And unfortunately, the multiverse that we're in. For Terry McLaurin involves the 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 bargaining with myself about Wentz, bargaining with myself about <laughs> Taylor Heineke, and you know what? When Sam Howell gets Taylor in there, Heineke. we'll bargain with that there one too. Is. So yes, yes, this is where we're at. Um, I don't know what 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 do you kind of project here for for Terry McLaurin? Does it does it help? Does it not help? I mean, it has been a huge disappointment um, from a statistical standpoint. I think it's fair to say. Uh, for Terry McLaurin, I mean, again, we're oh, looking yeah. at three three weeks in a row now. Uh, week four, two catches for 15. 
week five, he popped up. He looked okay, five for 76, and now this week against Chicago, uh, three for 41. Jalen Johnson, by the way, should be noted, did come back uh, in that game too and, and, and immediately asserted himself uh, on that defense. 16% target share on the year for Terry McLaurin. That's crazy. No projection model had Terry McLaurin at a 16% target share and Curtis Samuel at a 22%. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I think, I think that Samuel, uh, you know, will have his role for sure. And like that Samuel could be really good on those layup passes with, um, for sure. with, with Taylor Heineke there. I, I'd wonder if like, you know, the, 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 the Washington commanders have a similar problem to, the Jets, where they have too many dudes for a passing offense that's probably never going to be good. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I think it's like they got too look, many running backs want, too, <laughs> and they <laughs> have too many running backs. Yeah. Although they don't tell them that they only have Brian Robinson, and that is all that matters to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Wentz just misses a lot of throws. Uh, I think Heineke leaves more more throws on the field, like in a Jimmy G style of way. Right. Um, whereas Wentz just, he'll take the throws, but he's going to miss them and, and, you know, not be an accurate player. Um, Heineke, I think could keep the offense in rhythm, stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't know, man, I think it's probably, I don't think it can be, it can get, I don't think it can be worse because we've seen Heineke in this offense with McLaurin before. This isn't like a, Oh, DJ Moore will get better because of Baker Mayfield. Well, we haven't seen Baker Mayfield in this poison Panthers environment, right? But we've seen, Heineke in this Washington environment we kind of know what it looks like you know I will say this I, I do think though that I think Jahan Dotson could be in a little bit of trouble man I, I think he yeah. could be in a lot of trouble look a lot yeah. of his early season production came on touchdowns on low volume um, and I understand that this man has a, a catch radius that is unparalleled I mean his catch radius is unbelievable and he makes splash plays because of it but I'm just looking at Taylor Heineke and his skill set and then I look at the pass catchers you know and and, and the options on this offense how many plays are they going to be running how many plays are going to be are, are going to be called up pass plays Terry McLaurin Curtis Samuel I think are going to eat a lot of that target share what's left for Jahan Dotson and and now we're talking about a an offense, Matt, that I don't think is going to score a ton of points, right? So that touchdown upside to me gets pretty reduced, and I feel like I feel like it's a good time to sell high on Jahan Dotson. I know that sounds weird because he's been injured, but I think people still have the memory of Jahan Dotson playing really well early in the season, and they haven't been, you know, those memories haven't been spoiled yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, fair enough, man. I, I think that makes sense. And, you know, like you said, so many of his big plays, Jahan Dotson came on like Wentz prayer balls, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of those. And and those, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know. Then again, you think about uh, Taylor Heineke throwing Terry McLaurin into contested situations. Jahan Dotson can make those plays, but they're not going to be quite as, you know, I, I, no matter what, Wentz is a better deep ball passer than than um, Taylor Heineke oh, is. Oh God, and so, yes, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent. It's all. Isn't it weird that um, I still think that uh, Washington needs to kind of mix up like Curtis Samuel's route tree and roll with Jahan Dotson's route tree and roll, but um, so far they haven't done that. And we'll, we'll see what happens when all these guys get back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Perception, perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Is Tyreek Hill the most unstoppable wide receiver in the NFL? And I ask you this seriously, because it doesn't matter what quarterback is throwing him the ball. He, it's, it's almost like he knows it himself. He told a reporter, he's like, "I'll put up numbers with you." Talking to the reporter, he right? Did say that. That's right. And it's true. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the damn ball, Matt. The guy's producing. What did he have? 177 yards against Minnesota? This is insane. It's, it's madness. He's, he's an unstoppable force right now. So I ask you seriously, is he the most unstoppable wide receiver in the NFL? You know, I think you've got a pretty good case for it um, because – and he's certainly a top five player of the position entering this year, like real life NFL. And, and I say this all the time. If you, when you sit down and rank wide receivers, you do your top 10 list, you do top five list, you do hell, you, do, you sit and do a top 15, top 20 list. If you leave that exercise feeling like you didn't like, oh, you don't have the feeling of, oh, shoot, I left somebody off my top 10. Oh, shoot, I left somebody off my top 15. You did it wrong. OK, You're, you yeah. did it wrong because there are so many good wide receivers. So even saying like Tyree Kill for sure entering this year top five player to position i still feel really good about that despite knowing how stacked wide receivers are i actually talk about somebody that should do this i should sit down sometime and like rank maybe we make, maybe that could be like a feature on the website like i love like it. fan like fantasy rankings but constantly moving like my real life rankings around i don't know maybe that, that i don't know if people are interested in that you know you could tweet at me you could hit, us, hit me up at discord like let me know if you what are you talking about of course they would love that <laughs> people love <laughs> rankings are you kidding me of course they'd love that I know. Hey, local idiot signs himself up for more work during football season. <laughs> not promising I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm not promising I'm going to do it. But fair, maybe, maybe, fair. maybe in the off season when I have oh, when I certainly have no, I have nothing to do in the off season. What am I doing in the off season? Who knows? Oh my god, um, charting a hundred different receivers. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, okay. You got plenty of time. <laughs> one more, one more project. One more project. Anyways, uh, Tyree Kill. Yeah. Oh, since week four which is, you know, when most of this quarterback chaos has started for the Miami Dolphins. Yes. He has 384 yards on 36 targets. He has 36 targets. Jalen Waddle, who we all love Jalen Waddle, right? He has 19 targets on the year. I ran in right. that span since week four. Uh, right. And we talk, we just talked so much, like, with again, with Zach Miller on the Dynasty episode, how much we like Jalen Waddle. But, you know, meanwhile, Tyreek Hill is he's number two in the NFL Period. Behind only Justin Jefferson since week four with 384 yards. Um, he And look is, at who's throwing him the ball. That's yes, what's crazy about it. A constant rotation of guys. A constant rotation of guys. Um, he's been targeted 36 times. Cooper Cup has been targeted 37 times since week four. It's just crazy numbers. And I think to your point about why he is so unstoppable, this is the thing with Tyree Kill. Is, yeah, he's the, the fastest player in the football field. He makes plays down the field. But he is an elite elite route runner you know you look at his reception perception numbers he's consistently over the 90th percentile in success rate versus press um 
And, and that's the funny thing. I've, I've, when I've tweeted that out before, that, oh, Tyreek Hill is better against press coverage, better at getting open against press coverage than you think he is. It's like, right. who, press, who presses Tyreek Hill? It's like, shoot, buddy. I don't know. I don't know why you would do it. Because if you, by the way, if he beats you against press coverage and he's going downfield, good night. You know, you're toast. <laughs> yeah, the play is night. over. So, yep. you know, he's consistently draws a good amount of double teams too. The Chiefs actually would get him away from double coverage a lot because they would use him, you know, as a slot receiver. And it's been funny so far in, in Miami, again, since week four, 33.3% of his snaps in the slot. Um, you know, he has been much more of just much more of a guy that lines up on the perimeter than he was these last few years in Kansas city. So yeah, I, I right. think when you're talking about a guy that it's not only that he's completely unstoppable because he, he is perhaps one of the most unstoppable receivers in the NFL It's that when you can't stop him, wow, you are so screwed. And I, I really don't want to, I'm not saying this is like a negative on, on Cooper cup, right? Because Cooper cups, a great player uh, in his own right. You know, he's, he's one of the five best receivers in football for sure. But you know, you, it's, what have we talked about with the Rams offense? And we're going to talk about the Rams a little more in depth here in a second. But, oh, Cooper Cup is getting, you know, 19 targets in a game. And it's like, okay. And he's got 14 for 122. That looks great in your fantasy lineup against 49ers. <laughs> but the offense stinks, right? right? So it's like you can't stop you can't stop Cooper Cup primarily because of where he lines up. You can't double cover him. It's like no matter where Tyree Kill lines up, no matter who, who you double cover him, not only – the, it, can he burn you and you can't stop him when you can't stop him you pay so so dearly for it you know what he does too more than cooper cup he warps defenses right like defenses yeah. are completely warped um i mean look at how high some of these safeties are playing he's he's changing how defenses are being structured lined up against this miami offense again i just want to line up some of these numbers okay against baltimore 11 catches on 13 targets for 190 and two touchdowns, right? His worst game came against Buffalo. That's fine. Buffalo's just outrageous, right? Uh, and his other quote-unquote bad game was against the Jets. That This is week five where he goes for seven receptions on seven targets, a perfect seven of seven for, for 47 yards. But again, that is with Teddy Bridgewater getting hurt on like the first play of the game practically and – and then Skylar Thompson just jumping in out of nowhere. Other than that, the guys had like, you know, he had a he had a 10 reception, 160 spot against Cincinnati. They were trying to take him away. And then against Minnesota, again, 12 receptions on 15 targets. You talk about the efficiency for 177. Um, it's just, I'm just blown away. And everyone said that he was not going to be what he was without Patrick Mahomes, without Andy Reid. And on an individual basis, Matt, this guy is just blowing it up. I mean, it is truly yeah. remarkable to see. Not only is he changing the way defenses have approached the Miami Dolphins now because of his presence, right. um, his absence has really changed the way teams have defended the Kansas City Chiefs. And we talked about this with Alex Gellar on the last podcast that Patrick Mahomes has faced more dropbacks against man coverage than any quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, I saw Mina Kimes tweet this out today. I, I, I posted about it as well, that um, the Bills defense, she said, played man coverage on 28.5% of the snaps um, leading into this matchup against Kansas City Chiefs. Against the Chiefs, that jumped to 54%. You know, the Bills are a zone-heavy defense. They jumped up to playing a bunch of man coverage because, oh, yeah, the, the 
teams are daring these Chiefs receivers to beat them in man coverage because they no longer have Tyree Kill. And they've got Juju Smith-Schuster, who was third to the bottom in success rate versus man coverage in 2021. Juju, right. Juju had a good game uh, yesterday, but yeah. a lot of that was against zone coverage. Finally, finally. Um, and then MBS kind was of seventh. A big, a big production spot was that one broken tackle that he made that he yeah. took to the crib. So, yeah. For sure. Um, seventh worst MVS success rate versus man coverage in 2021. Like I still think Sky Moore is their best long-term man coverage beater by a lot. Um, so yeah, I th- right. So, but it, it, that's again, goes to show you. And, and by the way, Patrick Holmes last year faced more, I, I believe was the zone heaviest, you know, drop per drop back uh, quarterback because it, that's like, okay, we, we have to play the two high looks. We have to back off because Tyreek is here. Um, and then, you know, the, the Chiefs even kind of figured out in a post Tyree kill world, like or a post vertical passing role, how to, that's the thing, like the Chiefs offense, despite the fact like Patrick Holmes is still 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions against man coverage this year. Like they're, (laughs) they're still playing real well, despite the fact that they don't have these receivers. And of course, a lot of that is because they still have Travis Kelsey. I think they've obviously, they, they miss Tyree kill for sure. And I think, I, I think even in a way Tyree kill, you know, at the, at the end of the day, miss miss Patrick Holmes in some way. Like they were a great combination, but right. they can succeed apart from each other. The interesting conversation is the one in Green Bay, where like, my God, it, it would be better if everybody could just hit reset on that trade, right? Like let's <laughs> let's undo that one. But it is kind of work. Like right. things are kind of working out for the Chiefs without Tyree Kill. Things are kind of working out uh, for Tyree Kill without the Chiefs. So I agree with you. Definitely one of the the most unstoppable receivers, if not the most unstoppable receiver in the NFL. And again, it's it's he is a quarterback proof player because what is a quarterback proof player, James? A guy who can get open at all three levels, a guy who can win um, against all forms of coverage. That is certainly Tyree Kill, and a guy that this is the thing that's really underrated. I think about Tyree Kill because he's a smaller player and the speed and all that stuff, but. You want to talk about a guy that pound for pound wins in contested situations more than almost any other receiver. That's Tyree kill as well. Like he can go up and get it in tight coverage. He always, when he first popped up to the popped into the scene. And I remember talking about this with the late, great Chris Wessling, that he was sort of like the modern day Steve Smith in that way, smaller guy, but could go up and absolutely get it in tight coverage. So yeah, complete receiver, no doubt about it. Certainly an unstoppable player. It's truly unbelievable um what he's able to do right now by the way Jalen Waddle I just want to bring up this point too with Jalen Waddle um and and I agree great player special player hopefully the the shoulder injury is not a big deal although the doctor on my show thinks that it might be so that could be something to watch for um but he had a 19 target game Jalen Waddle did in week number two in every other game um if you were to kind of add up all the 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 targets there he averages six targets a game Meanwhile, you go look at Tyreek Hill, the guy's, you know, over 12, right? So it's, I think after the Baltimore game, it was fair to say, oh, this is not a Batman and Robin. It's a Batman and Batman. You mm-hmm. know, I, uh, six weeks in yeah. now, I, that's not the case. It's not a 1A, 1B. There's a one and his name is Tyreek Hill. And there is a high, high quality two. And his name is Jalen Waddle because right now the way it stands, Tyreek Hill is the alpha dog. Thirty six point four percent of the air yards for Tyreek Kill, twenty eight percent for Jalen Waddle, thirty point four percent for Tyreek Kill in terms of team target share, twenty two point nine percent for Jalen Waddle. Actually, Waddle, and this is sort of um, you know Mike McDaniel got all gassed up pre Tyreek Kill. 
trade. Remember Mike McDaniel got all gassed up about Jalen Waddle's like draft him on your mm-hmm. fantasy team, draft him on your fantasy team. Um, because I think he envisioned him as the yak player in the offense. And that it like Hill has been the true full field number one receiver, doing all that stuff. Waddle, by the way, uh averages seven point seven yards after catch per reception, which is one of the best numbers in the NFL. He has been making it um happen right. in that way while also getting some of the deep looks. So I think Jalen Waddle will be fine this year, but uh, they do, sure. they certainly need like Tua to get back. Um, you know, he, and he should come back uh, this, this Sunday, Sunday night, right? Uh, the Dolphins mm-hmm. play, um, it's Pitts, they play Pittsburgh. Yeah, that should be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny. I, I understand the thought, but honestly, I think this offense looks just as good, if not more capable with Teddy Bridgewater at times. You know, there are throws that Teddy can't make yeah. that, that Tua can make. But for whatever reason, this uh, the chains just move a lot smoother. I think with Teddy Bridgewater mm. um, as a as you more of a Tua, game manager. So. Well, I do hate Tua, so uh, there there is that. <laughs> there yeah, is that. Know. There is that. But I I'm just saying I I, I don't think they lose a step at all uh, going from Tua uh, to Teddy Bridgewater. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Perception, perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, we'll move on. Hey, let's talk about the Jets here. Um, Only 18 pass attempts for Zach Wilson in a win, in a dub. Great dub for the Jets. So real life-wise, Jets looking good. They're looking nice. I'm just saying, what's going on with the passing game? Zach Wilson kind of looks like doo-doo. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, 18 pass attempts for, for Zach Wilson. 33 rush attempts for the Jets as a team. It's very, they almost doubled up the rush attempts versus pass attempts, which is just in today's NFL. What? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Wilson was your leading target getter with five, was able to turn that into one reception for eight damn yards. Uh, and meanwhile, our dude Elijah Moore uh. ghosted, ghosted, zero targets. For Elijah Moore, zero receptions, zero yards, 0.0 for Elijah Moore. What is going on with the Jets passing attack, man? I got to find the tweet that Elijah Moore sent out after the game because a few of right. our, our boys in Discord were were quick to were quick to pull it out there, right? Um, yeah, I did see that. He he basically yeah. was say along the lines of, "I yeah, don't want to say anything." I, I got it. Yeah, okay, I got go. it. Uh, he says. Uh, if I, you know, Rich Samini, longtime Jets reporter, said of all the eye popping stats slash factoids, factoids, Rich, <laughs> today, this is one that's hard to understand. Zero targets for Elijah Moore. And then Elijah Moore quote tweets and says, if I say what I really want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. Dot, dot, dot. We winning. Grateful. Huge blessing. All I ever wanted. Buttersweet for me. Uh, but I'll be solid, but I mean, bittersweet, by the way, just yeah. a little typo there. So I'll just stay quiet. Just know I don't understand either. Uh, he follows <laughs> it up with the correcting himself on the bitter. And then he, fo- he follows it up again and says, I support all my teammates hundred percent too. Uh, they know what it is. Uh, I'm behind them like no other. Everyone rocking out needs to keep rocking out. That's part of why we're winning. Don't get, don't get it confused either, which basically is like, 
I'm not saying, but I'm saying, right? For, <laughs> for Elijah Moore there. Right. Yeah, I mean, here's oh, the deal. He's he's right, God. though. They are winning, right? Like, since Zach Wilson has come back, they've been a good team. Um, they're fourth in defensive EPA allowed since we – or they're a top, they're a top uh, excuse me, they're, they're a top um, – eight team in defensive EPA allowed per play since week four. Remember they were looking like one of the worst defenses in the NFL again earlier this year. Um, they've played good, good defense on that side. Sauce Gardner looks awesome. Sauce oh Gardner, God. shout out yeah, to him, great. you yeah. know, rubbing Alex Gellhar's face in it with the cheese head, uh, walking <laughs> off on Lambeau field there. <laughs> right. And they're running the ball really well with our guy, Brees Hall. Brees yeah, Hall obviously. looks amazing. And, and he's been kind of the central identi- identity point, but yeah, since week four, uh, 76 yards for Garrett Wilson, 64 yards on eight targets, eight, 15 targets for Garrett Wilson, six catches since week four, four for Jeez. eight for 64 oh, yards God. for Elijah Moore. And then Corey, Corey Davis, man, 14 targets, nine catches, 164 yards. Um, and, and then obviously Brees Hall has been a huge factor as a receiver too. I, I'll, I'll pitch this to you, James. Like, yeah, I think the Jets biggest problem, and this is only a fantasy problem, not a right. real life problem. And obviously for all these guys, like Elijah Moore, he wants to win. You know, he also wants to get paid at some point too. And he's got to put up numbers to do that. Like nobody exactly. looks at a, yeah. So that, that's a whole nother thing. I think they have too many good players. Like Corey Davis is, is a good player. He's not a, he's probably like a solid, solid starting receiver. These guys, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore could be better long-term, but Davis is no slouch. You know, Brees Hall has emerged as a huge guy as a receiver. Like they have too many good players for a passing attack that isn't good. It's weird too because what what I was saying about Zach Wilson um, offensively, I, I liked him as a streamer this week against Green Bay. What I had said is, you know that phrase, "You're too, it's too big to fail." Like that's what the Jets have, and I know that sounds weird to say that because it's the Jets. But honestly, to your point, they have a lot of great pass catching options. Do they not? You've got Elijah yeah. Moore, you've got Corey Davis, you've got Garrett Wilson as your three pass catchers as a wide receiver. Brees Hall, as you mentioned, great. By the way, Michael Carter catches the ball too, right? So even yeah, the, yeah. a backup mm-hmm. guy, even the backup guy is still pretty good. Tyler Conklin, you talk about the depth on this team. Okay, so Tyler Conklin was like a top six tight end through like four weeks, right? And then he absolutely fell off. Why? Because CJ Uzoma also got healthy at that exact same time, right? So now they're splitting. He goes from like 90% um, snap share to like 60, 65%. They're running a lot of, t- that's the other thing. They're running a lot of too tight. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite having these three great wide receivers, they're still running a lot of too tight because you know what? They're also running the ball really well, right? So, and really, it makes me feel like, yeah, this is exactly why Zach Wilson is definitely, definitely, definitely 100% for sure not good. <laughs> yeah. He has, okay. He's got the best setup and he is doing nothing with it. Nothing. Well, the, yeah, he's, he's um, 23rd in the NFL and EPA per dropback since uh, week four. Uh, so, yeah, not good. The Jets, meanwhile, by the way, they're third. I, I undersold them by saying top eight. They're third best in terms of EPA per play allowed since week four. Like Robert Sala finally has those guys cooking on that on that side. And by the way, I think Mike LaFleur, the, the you know, the other LaFleur brother is cooking as the offensive coordinator as well. That, For sure. Uh, they got some great design there. I mean, and that's yes. another thing, too. Braxton Berrios rushing touchdown. Like I, I knew this was going to happen with Berrios. I feel like an, I feel like an idiot for ranking Elijah Moore as high as I did because I knew this was going to happen um, with Braxton Berrios. Like that he was going to factor in. You know, I don't know, man. I, I, I didn't 
I didn't think Garrett Wilson was going to be playing as much and getting as many targets as he did right away, but that's stupid. I was stupid because I really liked him as a prospect. Like the Jets just have too many good players for quarterback who, like I said, is 23rd in EPA per dropback since, um, since he got back in here. Now I'll say this though, for, for Jets fans, kind of Jets fans are going to get super pissed, right? Like they're right. going to be like, Hey, we're winning. Who cares? And I agree cares, with you. Who cares? Right. Great. Like you sh- Jets fans should be cocky as hell and loving this. Like they- they're winning, you know, with defense, they're winning with their with the running game. They have a lot of good players, and I don't think like I I don't agree with the argument that 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 what the Jets are doing is sort of similar to what the Bears are doing, and like the Bears are clearly just like minimal. Like they don't care what happens with Justin Fields. Obviously, right. they're like this is our team, this is our system. You're either going to get into it or you're going to you're going to go by the wayside. And Fields does, is right. not playing well either no the Jets I think are doing something similar to what um or they're trying to do something similar to what the Bills did with Josh Allen which is like we're gonna try to win we're gonna try to win games while you develop um and I think we're gonna hope that you develop on the job so I'm I'm not giving up completely on Zach Wilson you know he also suffered an injury you're laughing at me but I'm not I'm not here to be a Zach Wilson bro I'm just telling you how the team is thinking about it okay like for sure Bills tried to compete they went to the playoffs while Josh Allen still wasn't good. And we don't need to do revisionist history. Like Josh Allen wasn't a good player. He's what he was doing against the chiefs, like, you know, adjusting Khalil Shakur pre pre snap, you know, getting yeah. th- I keep saying Shakur Khalil Shakir, getting him adjusted pre snap, like doing the stuff he was doing is just, he's better this year than he was last year. He's better last year than he was the year before. Like he's right. gotten better every single year, I think. And we can't always bet that that's going to happen, but I think the jets are probably looking at it. Like we've surrounded this guy with enough players, Zach Wilson, like, and they're young players too, like hoping these guys all get better together. But yeah, for right now, this passing game, forget about it. Like it's not going to happen right now. So I, the one thing I would say though, um, in regards to their recent vic- uh, recent victories and also recent su- success, especially on the defensive side, is that week four they took on Pittsburgh. Week five they took on Miami and knocked out the starting quarterback really really early on, right? And yep. then yep. and then this week they took on Green Bay. Now that is that's quality. Yeah, right. Now that is quality. Uh, but I, I would just say it, it feels a little warped. Uh, because when you look at Pittsburgh and Miami and in the situations that those were totally. those games were were in, um, you know, it, it looks a little it looks a little wonky. OK, now this is the problem. They could legitimately lose their next four games at Denver. <laughs> they take New England. Wow. That's that's an L Buffalo. That's an L. And then at New England, that could be another L. They could legitimately lose I mean, I four know. games in a row now and. And the thing is, it's like, you know how, remember how two weeks ago we're like, oh, we're talking about, oh, Denver this and Denver that, the sky's falling on Denver. And they had a winning record. Well, okay, as we come to find out, well, like all the things that people are worried about, that's how you lose games. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you were winning despite it, but in the NFL, all those things kind of come, you know, come home to roost. And so, yeah, smart football people look at the Jets and say, yo, Defensively, you're playing pretty good. You're running the, the, the football pretty well. But if you don't fix this passing game, you're going to lo- start losing, and you're going to start losing a lot of games, man. So that's what I look at when I look at the Jets, and I say, okay, Zach Wilson needs to figure something out. They need to start scheming up something, easy throws for him to make. Because it's nice to be able to win this game on 18 pass attempts. Bro, y- you ain't going to be able to do that. <laughs> On a consistent basis. You know what I'm saying? So I I would just say there's a lot of red flags. Yeah, I hear you. Obviously, um, 
we're talking about it. They're stacked right now. And that, that is the problem. Like they're these guys from a fantasy angle are picking up scraps, like because Mm -hmm. the, the running game is so good. The defense has been so good. Um, they're having to pick up scraps and there's too many guys like to, to pick yeah. up scraps here. You know, there's Corey Davis to pick it up. There's Garrett Wilson. There's Elijah Moore. There's the tight ends. Like you mentioned, Brees Hall. Brees Hall's got 10 targets since Zach Wilson <laughs> got back. Remember, remember when everybody was worried yes. about, Oh no, like Joe Flacco was the only one to check down. It's like, yeah, I think right. he's still going to, going to, going to throw the ball to, to Brees Hall because Brees Hall is really good. So I don't know, Manny. I agree with you. There's still, there's definitely still some questions here about Zach Wilson and, and they just have to hope he gets better on the job. Uh, because they do need to, in order to be like a, a real playoff contender. I mean, and that's a lot to ask for in the AFC. But right. you know, to leave this season feeling really, really good, you're gonna have to see more than than they've seen from Zach Wilson. And I'm not ruling out that it happens, but uh, uh, maybe I'm just I'm being the optimist here, which is a new a new role. <laughs> right now, they sit at four and two after six weeks, which is great for them, you know. But again, I look at that schedule and I see four losses in a row. That's what I see. Um, and so uh, that's ha- aggressive, man. I mean, the bill, I mean, the, the, the bills. Yeah, of course that that's probably a loss. Denver plays tonight and, you know, here in like 20 minutes as we're recording this. So, uh, you know, I could look like an idiot, but I don't, I don't think they're like that much, that much They're They might be better than the Broncos. Right. I don't know. Um, they, they might be could the be. Patriots. That seems pretty even. Pretty, no, pretty, uh, God, no. Oh my God. No. New England's going to wax them, dude. Like, <laughs> absolutely not those are those are two games they're gonna get waxed um, you think they lose both both games both games they're gonna drop the Patriots handily handily okay. I think okay, I, I think that. it's gonna get so frustrating on, on on offense for the Jets that they are gonna literally not know what to do with themselves their offense is gonna get bagged their offense is gonna get absolutely bagged <laughs> up by Bill Belichick um and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think the, de- the the only game I see as a w- potential win is Denver, but it's at Denver and mm. their defense is nasty, right? So I could see them winning this a real disgusting like 9-6 game. This is going to be disgusting. Yeah. Um, but man, yeah, Buffalo is going to absolutely wax them and, and I think he's going to put them in a bag, you know? So like, I don't know. I, I see that as four potential losses. And, we're, and then we're having a completely completely yeah. different conversation then these conversations that we're having today in four weeks about the offense then it becomes oh well how did we not see it no we saw it we saw it that's what that's what we're trying to tell you we saw it you know anyways all right let's move on um one of the teams that that certainly needs a little offensive reinforcements it's the la rams Allen robinson gets into the end zone puts together a pretty solid day matt Six targets, five receptions, 63 yards, and that touchdown. Plus, they're on a bye this week, but they get Van Jefferson coming back out of the bye. San Francisco waits on deck. Oh, my gosh. They're they're an absolute Rams killer. But is there reason for optimism now surrounding Allen Robinson and, and maybe this offense in general if Van Jefferson comes back and he's right? Yeah, and the 49ers are so, so banged up too, right? Like the mm-hmm. What is it with this team, man? The injury bug doesn't just bite the 49ers every year. It takes them like out back and kicks their ass behind yeah. the bar, you know? Every like, year. It's every every year. single year. There's there's gotta be something going on. Somebody pointed out they're like the, the NFC Chargers, and I was like, Yeah, no wonder the, 
the damn Raiders wanted to get the hell out of the state. I don't know what's, uh, <laughs> what's going on here with this, uh, this state and their, 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 their damn injuries. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean the Rams, they've been super healthy up until this year. So, uh, but you know, they're on the Rams. Number one, it is concerning that, um, you know, Joe Nopeboom, their starting left tackle tears his Achilles. Uh, you know, they're, they're Jeez. filling. I know it's just one thing after another. This offensive line was already a question mark, and then they've continued to sustain injuries. Right. They're filling uh, left tackle. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he played pretty well in this game against the Panthers. And, you know, I know that people are going to be like, ha, this is the Panthers. Who cares? The Panthers' defense is good. Steve Wilkes, their interim head coach, is, is a defensive guy who's coached yep. a lot of good defenses there. Obviously, Phil Snow was the defensive coordinator there, but he was a Matt Rule crony, as we said on a previous podcast, and that's why he got shown the door. But, you know, his Panthers' defense is legit good. Um, so that there is that, but yeah, look, I, I think that, I think that this was a really encouraging performance for the LA Rams for Allen Robinson, especially who I've said on the show, he's Allen Robinson is not washed. Allen Robinson cannot win down the field vertically, which is why I think the Van Jefferson, you know, return is a big deal. We'll talk about that right. in a second, but you know, Allen Robinson still can win in tight spaces can still get off the line of scrimmage. Well, is still a really good route runner. He's just not as explosive as he used to be, but you know what he can still do, James, he can still win in contested situations too. That big catch he had where he really went up for it. That was like vintage Allen Robinson stuff. That was, was kind of something that I was like, you know, over the last two years, he hasn't really been th- this year with the Rams. And then last year with the bears, you know, I said he was still fine as a route runner separator all last year with the bears, but um, just obviously had a terrible quarterback play from Justin Fields and the, and the boys there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was not really good in contested situations. And that was kind of like he wasn't getting a lot of chances this year in those situations beyond fade routes. And I wondered, like, because I think he's lost some juice in his legs as a deep speed perspective, I wondered if he had lost, you know, some juice as like a, a vertical jump, you know, just like a jumper in contested situations. Well, maybe not after that play against the Carolina Panthers. That was very right. impressive. Good to see. Um, so I think Robinson is still a good player. Is he going to like, I don't think he's going to return the high, high optimism that people had from him for a fantasy angle, because right. this, this, this team is just not what we expected. Right. But I, don't come at me with Allen Robinson's wash takes. Don't come at me with, he can't separate takes. I, I think both of those are not true. Um, was an encouraging performance for him. They also got him in, mo- you know, pre-snap motion a little bit, which is just that was good because a lot of what we'd seen in the first couple weeks is just him running out as a pure X receiver, which I don't think he can do anymore. I actually think it's going to be good. I think Van Jefferson is going to come back and be their X receiver. And Van Jefferson last year in reception perception, you know, all routes were above the NFL success rate, except the dig and the slant, you know, that's fine. You know, Robinson's running a lot of dig routes, Cooper cuffs on a lot of dig routes and slant routes, stuff like that. Um, So we need Van Jefferson ripping up, but on the post on the nine, on the corner route. Those are routes we we definitely have in his RP profile. 69.1% success rate versus man coverage. That's like the 53rd percentile. It's, it's fine. We just need him to come back and to lift the lid. And I, I kind of wish that as a fantasy industry, as an NFL industry as a whole, we didn't like yada, yada, yada. Like, oh, yeah, Van Jefferson's hurt, yada, yada. Who cares? Because um, it was a pretty big deal going from like Van Jefferson to Tutu Atwell as their deep threat. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, it's, they need speed. They just don't have yeah. speed right now anywhere on the football field. We all love Cooper Cup, but he's not a speed guy, you know. Um, back to the Allen Robinson, Robinson thing, Matt. You know, I see the separation and I can see how that's like, okay, so obviously when you're charting these guys, like, all right, release and all these things and success rate, right? 
I think the one thing though that we're not seeing, and this is kind of to your point about you know losing a little bit of the juice in the legs, the catch radius all of is gotten a lot smaller. Yeah. If that makes any sense, you know, and that's, and that's everywhere, right? Like whether you're talking about diving for a football on the ground, whether it's talking about going up top, it's just the catch radius in general for Allen Robinson, I think has, has shrunk down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And I think that has hurt him too. I, I agree with you. And I think that's why like all of these boundary targets, all of these like sideline targets, like Matt Stafford even said it himself. He's like, I feel like I'm, I've only thrown to him in, you know, prior to this week, only thrown to him in like 50, 50 ball situations, you know, low, low percentage throws. It's like, yes, that's true. <laughs> that, that is that true. Is true. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, Robinson getting him some looks, like I said, moving around pre-snap, like more routes against zone coverage over the middle of the field. Like, that's what he needs to be at this point. Like, I actually think that it sounds crazy because, you know, they, they haven't historically been the same type of player. But I think where Robinson is at this point actually overlaps and is a little bit samey with Cooper Cup mm. um, in the same way that, you know, Robert Woods was kind of a little samey with Cooper Cup at different times. And yeah. I think that the like Allen Robinson five years ago would have overlapped or would have been like the X receiver that they needed. But this is Allen Robinson of 2022. Like he's not that player anymore. And right. I think he can perfectly fit into what they need. Like they need a guy to get open quickly. They need a guy to be who's to, to win over the middle of the field, not a guy to win against like press man coverage on the outside on a route by route basis. Cause Stafford is never going to get to those throws. He's never going to do that. Those backside throws, like, you can hit like five of those, you know, try to hit five of those uh, and you're probably going to hit like two or three per game to a guy like Van Jefferson. And that can be great for your offense, you know, but over the course of a game, you're going to be feeding like eight targets, you know, to a guy like Allen Robinson over the middle, you know, freaking 13, 15 to Cooper cup over the middle of the field. You, know, <laughs> you mix in Ben Skoranek a little bit. And I think too, yes. this is a little, this is, this is narrative ish stuff, James, but you know, I, I think you'll be on board with this. Like they got Robinson involved early in that game and he looked like he was like responding to that you know like yeah, more engaged yeah, yeah. with the game that because that happens dude like when you're having Allen Robinson run the you know then this is a guy like <clears throat> you think of what you want about Allen Robinson but like you know he's he's been in the NFL forever he's been to a pro bowl he's been paid big money like and you brought him to this team to like compete for a championship and you're having him you know be in the cardio club I mean, of course, of course, he's going to be like, what am I doing here? You know, like to be getting a guy engaged in the game early on, like you could see he was like fighting for yards after the catch, stuff like that. So that's what right. they need from Robinson. I think they're I think that, you know, again, is Robinson going to be a, a fantasy league winner this year? Stuff like that. A top 15 receiver? Probably not. But. You know, is he going to be a good player for the Rams rest of the way? I definitely think so. I think all the top of like, oh, yeah, you could just drop Allen Robinson. I think, no, it, that was probably wrong analysis. And, and like, he's going to be a guy that, that's going to be productive the rest of the season. I still feel really good about it. I will also give you a little another narrative type thing uh, with Allen Robinson, too. But you know how you know how rookies never get any playing time in Sean McVay's offense because it just takes too long for them to kind yeah. of you know, learn everything that they need to learn the nuances of, of a McVay offense. I think it is fair to question whether or not it takes Allen Robinson, despite him being a longtime veteran, maybe he just needs to learn this offense. Maybe he needs to learn mm -hmm. the nuances, the small little nuances of this offense. And maybe just maybe he will develop and build that chemistry with Matt Stafford and become, you know, and again, fill that perfectly fill that Robert Woods role 
right? And by the time Robert Woods was like cooking in this offense, it's like he was great for this offense, right? Like he was awesome for this Rams offense when he was healthy and and again just knew all of the little layers of the McVay system. So I think it is yeah. fair to wonder whether or not Allen Robinson is starting to learn this offense just a little bit better as well. And, and maybe his production starts seeing a little bit of an up, maybe games like this six for 65. Like if you're getting six for 65, every single game from Allen Robinson with a, with a handful of touchdowns sprinkled in boy, let me say you would, you would love that. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, in a more competitive game, they would need more, you know, from Robinson, right? Like right. Um, they would need more to, you know, to throw the ball more in general. And um, I love your point about Robert Woods for a couple of reasons, because, you know, it took like Robert Woods a little bit to get going with Matthew Stafford last year, you know, the yeah. breakfast club, him and him and Cooper cup, they, they were on the same page right away, but it took Robert Woods a little bit. Um, you know, like Stafford also, we have to remember like, didn't throw a lot in the off season, right? Because of his elbow situation. So it's mm -hmm. not as if he was out there every day throwing passes to Allen Robinson. I think it's going to like, I think a lot of stuff people immediately run to like the washed conversation because they're confirming their priors, you know, based on what they thought about him last year, you know, by just right. looking at the box score. I don't think that's true. Um, I think that look, and it's easier to say this, now coming off a of time where he had a good game <laughs> against a bad Panthers team, but yeah. you can go look on receptionperception.com. It's the same stuff I've been saying about. You've been his, saying this since his, the, since the jump, since week one, since week two, yes. since week three. You've been yes. saying it all all season long. And, and obviously, everybody knows I'm in the bag for Allen Robinson, I'm a <laughs> Allen Robinson guy. But still, I, I think that the I think yeah. that the film and what he put out there shows you what the type of player he really is. And they just they certainly need more. You know. Um, they, I even like uh, they highlighted how he blocked like two dudes on the Ben Skoranek, uh rushing touchdown. Like there was a sequence in that game and they move Allen Robinson pre-snap and he frees up Cooper Cup to, to run a good route. Then like Robinson gets a big play, 22 yards uh, over the middle of the field, running a good route, gets up two yards after the catch. And then the very next play, Ben Skoranek on a on a on a rushing play. Um, they, you know, Robinson blocks two guys to spring him in for Skoranek's first career touchdown. So uh, they, they highlighted that like sequence as a, this is what we thought our offense would look like uh, after the game. And I think it, I think it will too. Getting Van Jefferson back as a vertical threat, who's like a real wide receiver, you know, like Tutu Atwell got a 54 yard catch a couple weeks ago. Like, but you know, come on, he's he's weighs as much as like the fan over there in the corner of the room. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> give me a break. Uh, right. Van Jefferson, real receiver. So I think Van Jefferson's a guy that if he's on waiver wires in, in fantasy, like you can, you can pick him up. You can probably pick him up. Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, I, I really, really like Van Jefferson as well. I think he's a good player. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Our time runs short, man. Uh, great episode as always. We will catch you guys here in a couple of days, man. Um, if you guys would like and subscribe to the podcast, of course, we would truly, truly appreciate it. And go check out the website. Perception, perception All right, for Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We'll see you.